My name is David Hepner, and this is the Hunt Lore Podcast, where we will spark our imaginations and pay tribute to the time-honored tradition of hunting by sharing our stories of the hunt. Hunt Lore is brought to you by Black Bear Wear, bear hunting apparel for bear hunters and everyone else. Get it, wear it, share it. All right. Well, welcome back, Mr. Skinny Rye. Thank you, <laughs> Mr. Skinny Rye. I like that. Yeah, you're looking yeah, extra skinny respect. today. Yeah. <laughs> so we're here to talk deer hunting since it's the deer hunting season and you have a lot of good stories about deer hunting. It's just from a lot of time in a tree. Yeah, that's all. That's right. So yeah, I just kind of wanted to go through them and kind of start. I don't think the last time I talked to you, we talked mostly moose hunting Yeah, not uh, too much about deer. So can you just go over the first uh, time you killed a deer? First, first time I killed it. Well, well, your first deer. My first deer. Yeah, I was, uh, I was young. I think I was in junior high, maybe, and had done a lot of deer hunting with my dad up till then. And most of that was just getting overly cold in a tree for the hopes of seeing something with poor equipment, poor mm-hmm. boots. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, first deer. Wow. I, uh, my first year, I was actually alone. My dad had got me to walk into a spot in the dark, big woods, um, southwestern Manitoba. And I had walked in there in the dark. Um, of course, at that age with a little bit of anxiety. Yeah. Making my way through <laughs> the woods. Um, it was a stand that we had, uh, it was kind of like a, it was a big woods spot. It was on the top of a valley, but it was like a full quarter of land on top of the valley that was all pasture but thicker, like mm-hmm. grown in pasture type woods. Um, so it was more, it was more equivalent to big woods than it was agricultural area. And uh, yeah, navigating your way through there wasn't easy, but we had kind of found a natural, um, kind of a natural bottleneck just from terrain features. And it was uh, largely a rutting spot where deer would just move through. And uh, yeah, so we had fine tuned that stand. It, my dad had had it there previously. And I, I worked my way in there in the morning and it was one of those mornings. It was Remembrance Day, which uh, is a pretty magical day in the deer woods. Oh yeah. In Manitoba for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And uh, I remember seeing deer right off the bat. There was box chasing does, nothing big. Uh, one little four by four. There was a giant spike. He had to have been one of those deer that never gets to be more than a spike because he was probably 300 pounds. Oh. Just a giant <laughs> slab. It looked like a mule deer. Yeah. Um, and then a buck, uh, following a doe started coming by. And I remember the bow I had was, a was a Martin Cougar. I think that's what a, Martin Tiger it was a Martin Tiger. That's what yeah. it was called. It had magnesium riser and it was so cold out. And I remember holding that bow for so long as that buck made its way and my hand was freezing through my, through my glove. And the doe came by at about six yards and the buck followed and I drew back target panic and all. And I shot the buck quite far back, but it was angled away. And I thought it was too far back, but in hindsight, it was actually a good shot. So it was a quartering away shot. Quartering away shot at about eight yards. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then I went to go put my bow down after and I, it, I couldn't let it go because it was frozen to my glove. <laughs> when I let it go, my glove came off frozen yeah. to the riser. That's hilarious. Yeah. So yeah, I remember making my way out of the woods, waiting for my dad and telling him that I made a bad shot. 
and we went and met up with some guys uh, that we knew from out there. We sh- it was it was like shower day because we were staying in a tent in November. Oh yeah. And uh, we had gone to this one place where there's a public shower, and my dad was just told me not to really say anything to the other guys until we knew what was going on with this deer. But of course, I'm coming unglued because it's my first animal with a bow. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, so uh, we went back to the spot. Dad told me to climb into the tree. And uh, he always made me, we used wooden tree stands back then. He told me to, with my knife, scratch a line with an arrow into the tree stand, the last spot that I heard the deer. So I got up in the tree stand and I looked at the arrow that I had scratched into the wood and told my dad that way. And he went for a little walk because there was no, there was no blood. And then he told me to come down and we kept looking for blood. And then he, he yelled to me that he had found blood. And just like we bait everybody else, he had actually found the deer. Yeah. And uh, he yelled, I found your arrow. And when I ran over, he was like, I'm like, where? Where's the arrow? And he's like, right there in that deer. And yeah. it was, it was yeah, laying he, there with the arrow sticking yeah. out of it. So <laughs> he was right. Yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, probably one of the biggest trophies in my mind. Oh, yeah. And still to this day ever. That's something about those firsts. You said it was a four by four? No, no. That was the biggest deer I saw that day. This was a little three by two. Oh, okay. yeah. He okay. Basically a spike on each side with a couple of bumps. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you weren't holding out for anything. No, no. Yeah. Any buck or were you going to shoot a doe or was it bucks only yeah. back then? Uh, no, you could shoot a doe, but I wanted to shoot a buck. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to shoot a buck. So didn't matter how big it was. It was a That's buck. pretty right? cool. Yeah. So you said you were camping in November? Yeah. We were That's actually hardcore. that. My dad would take me out of school each year and we would camp with a tent in a canvas tent and a wood stove and uh, that's probably some of my coldest memories because <laughs> yeah. when you're a kid you're not as conditioned as you are now no. to, to the cold and you can handle it better just mentally and horrible equipment yes right? back like, then everything was yeah horrible. we just took more and more sleeping bags and put them one inside the other rather yeah. than having a good one yeah remember like things like the propane being frozen in the morning and not being able to work and oh, all so of our had- liquids are frozen and did you have a propane heater then? Like a sunflower? We had a propane stove. Oh, the stove, yeah. Yeah, we had a wood stove so we could get warm. I remember grabbing the 20-pound tank and shaking and it sounded like there was ice cubes in it. Just, it was cold. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, uh, I remember you saying that your dad would be like positioned himself for sleeping, that he could just reach out of the sleeping bag. Yeah. With one arm and just stoke the fire. Exactly. Yeah. He Well, not just that, he would also have it already with everything to start a fire in the morning right beside his bed. Like right from the kindling to, yeah. yeah. And he would just, with one arm, start a fire. <laughs> That's how cold it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Me with just my eyeballs sticking out of the sleeping yeah. bag. Did you uh, go hunting for like a week? Did you take a week off school yeah, to do it? Was it? A, it was a week of school off and it would be what just what happened. And the teachers, one teacher one time questioned my parents and that was the last time they questioned my parents because my parents made it quite clear that no matter what they said, that I would be with mm-hmm. my dad for that week and that it was more important than going to school. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, sure. which we understand, but yeah. the general public <laughs> doesn't, do. right? So, yeah. So, did your dad have like a time frame that he liked hunting deer? He did. did he, he liked down to hunting the, the basically from about the 5th of November till about the middle of November. And he yeah. always shot deer uh, in this, these big quarter sections of pasture land. 
he wouldn't be hunting along a river and he wouldn't be hunting a food source. It was always where deer moved in the woods mm -hmm. naturally just because of terrain. Yeah. That's what I've noticed too. Just hunting the big woods. It's like that November 5th to the 13th or 14th is. Yes. So even with all the technology, everyone out there having a YouTube channel podcast, it's like back then. Yeah. Yeah. Fifi's just giving her a. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. She likes podcasts. Yeah, she does. Yeah. She's on quite a bit. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of neat that he pieced that together after years of actually just observation. It's just time in the woods, right? Yeah. Like you, and there's, of course, there was no moon guides. There was no internet. There was no... Yeah. No, nothing. It was what did he see every year at what time of the year? And then eventually you plan accordingly, right? And that's yeah. years and years of, and hundreds of hours of sitting in a tree that tells you when you should be there, not yeah. the internet. And he had a group of buddies too, that yeah, they would probably talk about this. Exactly. And try and figure it out. Figure out the best dates and that was it. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. That is just like still to this day. And that was how many years ago? Like, oh, wow. Like 30, 35 five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So deer are still doing what deer do. And they always will. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, yeah, there's really no secret sauce to it. No. It's just how you apply it, I guess. Right. Like well, exactly. Tactics for certain times of the, of the year. And I mean, it's going to vary depending on location, like the elements too. You know what I mean? Like if it's 25 degrees. Oh yeah. Out, you know. Yeah. Celsius. Yeah. yeah. Daytime movement is yes, going to be hampered. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I'm sure the moon, all that stuff makes a difference, but it's not like you're not going to go because of that. No. Right. So no. if I could plan to go, it would be sometime in that first two weeks of November. Yeah. Seems to me like the second is when I had some good action. Yeah. yeah. I've seen rut action Halloween. Not a lot before that though. I know mm -hmm. that a lot of time now that we have, that we have the internet, you hear people talking about, I saw bucks chasing does and this and that. And it's like, well, I don't know. I've spent a, a lot of time in the yeah. woods and at least up here, it yeah. seems to start on Halloween. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, the big woods area that I'm hunting, I've noticed November 6th. And I don't have a ton of experience there, so I can't say definitively, but it's like November 6th, both years, there's always been chasing. Yeah. And I've hunted up until then, you know, like starting on the first or whatever. And it was just kind of dead, you know, mm -hmm. not much going on. And then it's all of a sudden like, that's right. Seeing bucks and clear cuts and yeah. whatever else. It's like, okay, so maybe like there's something to it. For sure. Know, I've for killed you. quite a few mature bucks from the second to the sixth. Yeah. Second. Yeah. To the sixth, maybe the eighth. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. a bunch more in the middle of November. And then I haven't killed a lot of them until the 20 something, like when they're seems like you're back on food or something or maybe i don't know i find that there's a bit of a lull there mm -hmm. from the middle till about the 23rd yeah that's funny i just talked to ryan taves yesterday about my big scouting trip that i had yesterday and he mentioned that if he hasn't tagged out he's going to be hunting november 21st to the 23rd because on his property that's when he says that it seems like the bucks always like pick up again Gotcha. And you've they, done they well. They've bred does and now yeah. they're ready to go again. Yeah. And you've done well like the 23rd to the 26th. That's right. 28th in there. Yeah. For and, sure. And my father-in-law too at the end of the rifle season, he's always had, like if he's still hunting, it seems like 
he always comes away with a story of like six bucks chasing one doe. There you go. <laughs> so it's yeah. like. I've seen that a few can, times. Yeah. Yeah. So it can be good. Yeah. Can be good. Okay. So that was your first year. When did you start transitioning over to like trying to get a Pope and young buck? Yeah. The quest for, for the score. Um, it was, it wasn't long thereafter that I started trying to go after mature whitetails. I think I had shot maybe a couple of deer, maybe, no, maybe not, maybe one or two. And then I, that's when I started hunting like bow hunting only areas, river systems with higher deer populations. You know, you would see a lot, you'd see a lot of Pope and young deer, uh, especially back then you, you would drive around scout in the morning or the evening and it wasn't uncommon in a morning or an evening to see between 12 and 20 Pope and young bucks on the fields <laughs> coming and going from places. It was, it was different. You know, yeah. when we, when you think of the good old days, at that time in my life, I thought the good old days was something even better. But looking back now, I realized that I was in the good old days. Oh, right. Definitely. Yeah. That does not happen. It does not happen. Here. No, no. So it was more of an issue of getting the right permission. And, you know, I, I was, I was 15, 16 when I started trying to shoot more mature deer and. You okay, Fifi? <laughs> Fifi is a, what kind of dog is she? She's a Malshi. She's a Maltese Shih Tzu cross and she's a teacup variety. So she's like five pounds yeah. and she's right now wearing her uh, Halloween dress. Yeah. It's a skeleton dress yeah. and she's curled up on my lap. So yeah, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> Not much of a hunter. She comes ice fishing. But that's yeah. about it. Yeah. Everything has to be proper though. Yeah. Sits in my jacket. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, back to that, uh, was hunting uh, more of a river system deer. So you'd see a lot more. There was more potential to consistently be on top of deer. I remember one year hunting down there. I hunted 52 days and I could have shot a hundred inch buck every single time I hunted. Yeah. That's... So that shows you how many deer there are down there. Oh yeah. If you can shoot a full racked buck every time you hunt. Yeah. Right. So that's pretty good. That's pretty yeah. amazing actually. Yeah. So then, yeah, that my first Pope and Young was actually I, the second day of the season. We had a good spot and the deer so were coming the, out. the season? That was the end of August. Yeah. And we had, um, we had gone for the first day to a place that we hadn't been before. Didn't like it. We had a little hunting camp set up. We decided it's not as good as our area we wanted to hunt mm -hmm. on the river system closer to home. So we came back for the second day and we scouted in the morning. It was a hailstorm, and it was kind of a tough, kind of a tough thing to do because you couldn't get anywhere. It was actually like ankle deep hail in the middle of the day. Like it would the, Oh wow. Yeah. It was crazy. And then it was hot out. So there was steam rising off the ground and you can only see like 30 yards. So I went into a spot where I already had a, a, a stand hung and the deer were coming out to a canola field. And this buck came through the, came through the fog and crunching through the hail. It was pretty cool picture. No kidding. Yeah. And he came to the base of my tree and he smelt my tree peg and he busted, he spooked. I was shooting a recurve at the time and he, he ran away from me and turned left and there was a big log that crossed the trail and he was going to jump over it. And it was just instinctive as he was running. I snapshot him right through both lungs as, as he was in the air over the log. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm not kidding. I probably shouldn't have taken the shot, but, but I shot that whatever, boat you're... hundreds and hundreds of yeah. shots every day. Yeah. And we used to shoot things out of the air and 
Yeah, I shot him right through both lungs. (laughs) I didn't even realize I took the shot, right? All of a sudden, an arrow goes through it. So, yeah. 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 That was a nice velvet buck. I think he was mid-130s. Yeah. So. So that kind of started the, um, I guess, the quest for mature deer. Well, that was the beginning of it. Once you have a taste of it. And then you, then you always want a mature deer. I remember there's a couple of hard years. So like, I think maybe even the next year or the year after, you know, then I was in university shortly thereafter. You don't mm-hmm. have as much time. You can't scout as much. So then you start sitting, hoping for big deer, but you really haven't put the work in mm-hmm. that makes you deserve a big deer. And I remember getting frustrated shooting some deer at the time that I figured was subpar. Yeah. I mean, they were still bucks. Like I, yeah. it, but it was what I was placing on myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then once again, when I got more time in life, went right back to pursuing the mature deer. So the rest is history with that. The record books are flooded with Ryan Lego in there. <laughs> back in the day, and now <laughs> now I'm back to <laughs> subpar deer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So was your dad like a trophy guy growing up? Um, my dad, kind of the same story as me. You know, first got into it, just wanted to shoot stuff. And then got into wanting to shoot, you know, mature deer. He hunted the same as me, sometimes with a recurve, sometimes with a compound. Mm-hmm. He was back and forth between weapons. And uh, he, he was probably, if you could classify a guy as a good shot on game, but definitely not a good shot, that would be him. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing, target panic, but could pull it together when it came to hunting. Yeah. But just didn't like shooting in front of people. So was... Like with the trophy thing, like how you wanted to get a bigger buck, I'm assuming it was a natural progression. So was it like, did your dad and his buddies influence? Was there an influence there? Probably. There probably was subconsciously. There was no expectation put on me. Um, But I think it was one of those things that you grow up seeing people pursue. And then I think it's naturally in us too, to just have benchmarks. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, I, I, that's why I think like the bow hunting records club's a great thing, you know, to, to shoot a deer that makes that record book. That's a mm-hmm. hundred inches to people that have done it their whole life. Isn't, isn't, isn't that big of a deal, but to somebody that hasn't done it before, that's, that's quite yeah. the achievement. Right. So I think that rites of passage stuff is, is important mm-hmm. along the way. Um, but then, you know, you also get to a point sometimes later where that's not important at all in, in terms of what that animal would score. It may be more based on the method you do it or maybe even just the maturity of the animal. Mm -hmm. I've shot some mature deer that would score nothing that were amazing deer. Yeah. That's when that whole system of scoring an animal, you can throw it right out the window. I couldn't care less what, you know, what some book tells me, all those stickers on an animal now go against it. Yeah. Unless you're going to score it Mm non-typical, right? But you have a, say for instance, 150 inch whitetail with a bunch of stickers and he's now going to score... 160 or if you score him as a typical he's going to score 140 minus the side to side deductions and now all of a sudden he's a 130 something but he's really a 160 yeah it's like no i I don't like that system yeah i agree yeah and there's been a trend i think in the last few years for maturity yeah people focusing on that for sure so that is something i have a list of questions here i wanted to go through or topics and that's kind of like a nice segue um, what do you think new hunters, I guess it's all personal preference and we all have our own kind of way going about things and life circumstances. But if you're a new bow hunter, should you be holding out? No, 
for a big no, buck. No, shouldn't be at all. That's one thing that social media does that's not good, I think. I think it's something that uh, something like um, Meat Eater does that's good, mm-hmm. right? It, it's showing people that we hunt for food, um, hunting to shoot a mature animal. If, if you go out there as a new hunter trying to do that, you can just get frustrated and not keep doing it. It's one of those things. It's not, it's not like you can learn it overnight. You know, you can't expect to be a golf pro your first year golfing, right? Go out there, hit the ball. That's yeah. it. Have fun. Same with whitetail hunting or hunting in general, especially with archery equipment. Yeah. So a, a bow hunter in the deer woods, new to the sport, yeah. needs to just go out and enjoy the woods and try to try to shoot deer. What is that? That would be... Is that the... The water fountain. Oh, okay. We have a water fountain in the basement <laughs> yeah. for the kids. <laughs> That's okay. This is a uh, real raw podcast that's all it's right. a hardcore water it's fountain. a hardcore water fountain <laughs> yeah. i might have a drink later after yeah, we're done there you yeah go. yeah i've just that i bring that up because talking with some newer hunters and nothing wrong with guys holding out i guess if they want to you know shoot a 130 140 whatever but if you've never shot a deer with a bow i'm like just my own self i'm like maybe get experience shooting a a doe if does are in season or or the first legal buck like mm-hmm. and i think social media has kind of tarnished that it has and it's too bad because i know when i first started hunting like i was just going to take any buck like i was so pumped For i sure. remember rifle hunting with that's how i was introduced to it pushing bush you know just scaring deer from one bush to another that's right yeah it was horrible i didn't like it that but anyway but it's still fun oh it was when you see those deer coming oh yeah it's pretty exciting yeah i missed a lot it was great (laughs) it's not as ethical no as you could be now that we know what we know but it is what it was oh right yeah that's the way it was introduced me to it so that's right like i'm grateful for that guys taking me under their wing and letting me hunt for a weekend with them right but guys would shoot a buck and it's probably looking back at it probably a bunch of a hundred inch deer, right? That's right. And I'd ask them, are you going to mount that one? Are you going to just like being so excited about it? Like everything seemed big and And, exciting. exciting. Everything was exciting. Yeah. And I just think now in this day and age with so much information, guys can become really good bow hunters really quick, Mm -hmm. especially if you're a bit more mature in your later twenties, thirties, forties. For sure. Guys are getting into it. They have more money. They're more analytical. They're more like, they're just, life experience too kind of helps like be able to figure out strategy and all this for sure and you know i i say that but it's not for everybody that you should go out and just shoot a pile of deer before you start trying to pursue mature deer yeah because there is some guys that are keener guys yeah that are it's just in their nature to pay attention to the details and and like you said they're already 30 years old and you know they've accomplished things in their life they might have already been a really good rifle hunter or a really good fisherman or yeah. And if that guy wants to maybe shoot a deer, shoot one, maybe shoot two, and then, or maybe even focus on a big buck right off the bat, have at her. I think that you just need to go into it with the right expectation. I think, right? yeah. That it's not that easy. It's not like going on Lake Winnipeg and catching a master angler walleye your first year. You're probably yeah. going to do that. Yeah. Right? Shooting a Pope and Young buck your first year, you might do it. Yeah. Right? Especially if you have the right spot. Because you can lock into the right spot and outperform the guy that's been hunting his whole life. Mm-hmm. Right? So as we know, hunting oh. spots matter. Spots. Like, yes. Make the, a shirt. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I another shirt. Spots matter. I think spots matter. <laughs> yeah. 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 The spot matters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's something we could work in. Maybe, maybe it will sell this one. No. <laughs> no, probably not. Probably not. We'll yeah. think it's awesome, but it yeah. won't be. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. yeah. We're the only ones buying them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's just because seeing it kind of in the social media landscape, talking to some other people, and I've kind of been conflicted with it because it's like, I know my story is not their story and I don't want to project that onto them, but there's also an element that they're missing out on like that learning phase, you know, three, five years of just making funny mistakes. When you're older, you can look back on and laugh and it's just like, what was I thinking? But it's also, I was the product. You were the product of our times with not a lot of info out there. Yeah. What did we have? Deer, yeah, deer hunting mag, deer and deer hunter magazine. Problem. I had, and mostly my father, which was yeah. a great mentor. Well, but huge. in terms of yeah. new input, no. I mean, but even with my father, it's important to do those things. I, I'll ask you, how many times did you go deer hunting when you were a new bow hunter, and you're in your tree stand or you're blind, and you decided, you know what, maybe I'll just go walk around and look for some deer. Oh, all the time, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and now you look back and you're like, yeah. how stupid was that? Yeah. Walk well, it, down and walk yeah, around. Yeah, I'm going to go bow. look out, see if there's something on a field, or it's like, well, that's another thing, like hunting on a field. Like, oh, field you look edge, back yeah. now, and it's like, if you got a great food source and it's earlier season or it's sole, you got sole permission, then great. But to just be set up on the edge of a field for no random reason, if, even if it's not a food source, like, yeah, I remember setting up in spots, like, even with my dad as my mentor, that made no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Right. But you learn, but and they it's did important. make sense. It, I, and I mean, it all adds to, you know, you, you get positive or negative reinforcement based on what you do. So everything you do is making you better, mm-hmm. whether it's the right decision or the wrong decision, right? Yeah. And like you said, those are important to experience yeah. as a hunter, right? They're fun. I just think hunters nowadays, and I know this, I don't want to be like just kind of saying, oh, back in the day, you know, and this and that. But I think there is, they're missing out a little bit. They are. And it's just, for yeah, sure. it's just the way the times are. Well, I, I mean, guess. they, but Things they're never going to know any different. No. Right. So it's fine. Yeah. You know, Cause we don't know what it was like growing up with the internet where all this knowledge was at your, our fingertips. Like we didn't have any of that. That's right. It was boots on the ground, time spent freezing in a tree, right? That's how we learn. Mm-hmm. Right. So now you can avoid a lot of that. No. Oh, yeah. You know, if somebody's analytical and willing to just kind of sit down and kind of study his area and that and study the area study equipment like oh big time look at the the stuff we wear now that we didn't have back then oh way better way better yeah it's just funny for myself being like now a bit older and it's like hitting me that i've like actually have experience yeah you're not that kid anymore yeah yeah it takes a while to actually realize hey i'm not that kid anymore i know because for years and years i'd be talking to you about and i still do obviously and other people i think if you're a hunter, you should be asking for input from other people. For sure. I think it's important as your peer group in hunting to bounce things off the guys for ideas yeah. or because often somebody will recommend something you didn't even think of. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Just a different perspective and it makes all the difference. Yep. That's right. So anyways, let's look at the list here. So we did your earliest deer hunting memories there. Um. Okay, this is one that you've kind of transitioned to and I'm slowly transitioning to as well. Transition from your farmland hunting to big woods. Yeah, for, for me, that was um, 
it was something I needed to do largely because I was sick of a couple of things. One of that, one of those was asking permission, relying on people that I could hunt on their land. And after all the work I've done that at any moment, they can just say, you know what? My nephew's hunting this year and you're done. That, that, that was frustrating. Uh, mm-hmm. And maintaining those relationships, you know, like ha- handing out things at, at Christmas time and thank you cards. And, you know, I was thankful and I would gladly do that. But, you know, back then I would have 26 farmers land that I would hunt on and I'd be like <laughs> yeah. buying like boxes of chocolates and gift cards and, you know, taking out Smokies and, you know, they allowed me to do what I wanted to do and I was thankful and I did it, but it eventually got to be too much. Mm-hmm. The second part was as a lot of the spots that I was hunting, I was getting to the point where I was trying to hunt them strategically, but other people were hunting there too. I remember one spot, it was probably one of the reasons I switched, was that you needed an east wind to hunt this property. And it was along the river in a bow zone, and it was really good, really, really good. But a couple other people hunted there. And there's no real way to hunt any part of that woods properly on other winds. The only way to access it and hunt it properly was with that east wind. So I remember waiting and waiting and waiting to hunt there and waited. And finally, I got the right day and I slipped in there and there was a there was snow from the week before and there was human boot tracks everywhere. I was like, well, what's the point of me waiting and doing this strategically when everybody else is just walking around in here, not paying any attention, which is fine. If they want to just hunt all the power to them, they're at a different they have a different goal than I do, but it was really detrimental to what I wanted to do. So between the amount of people and having to ask permission in private land, I was like, I'm just going to go to some big forest somewhere and hunt deer. I, I may not see deer, but at least I'm not seeing people and I can hunt the deer how I want to without worrying about interference from people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And have you been happy with that transition? Like it- Best decision I made. If I was, If I was in a place in life where I wanted to shoot more deer... You know, fill the freezer, make sure that I shot a doe each year and had a good chance of shooting a buck. And then I would certainly be hunting those zones still. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of beyond that. If I don't shoot a deer, it's not going to change anything in my life. Mm-hmm. Right. But in order to, I mean, I, that term fill my cup, to fill my cup, I need to sit in a tree and not see other people. Right. And I need to have places like that in the big woods that I can just go to and know that people haven't been walking around in there, yeah. you know, ruining my chances of what I want to do. Be nice to see the odd deer sometimes too. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> that, that wears on you a bit. Yeah. You know, I remember the first year sitting multiple times and not seeing any deer and being like, wow, I wasn't seeing people, Yeah, but I wasn't seeing deer either. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? And you, you've had a taste of it. That That's how it is. But if you stick to it, next thing you know, there's a big buck walking by, right? Yeah. And you don't unreal. go through 52 days of seeing small deer. No. Right? You you might see some small deer, but I bet you there's, you know, four times more shooter deer per deer than you see when you're in the areas that are a higher population. Yeah. Right? So. I think so. It does take a lot of work. Like it it's does. not easy. No. And it's um, often a bigger gas bill. Oh, Because it's further. Right? Yep. But uh, those land, that land isn't going anywhere unless it gets logged. Um, And a lot of it won't ever be sold to be public, which is great. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'd say three quarters of the spots that we set up will uh, will be there for the next 25 years. 
Oh, I think so. And yeah, maybe logging will change the landscape a bit, but that could create more opportunity as well. Just For the sure. way you look at it. And yeah. the fact is most of the land in Manitoba, public crown land is under hunted. That's right. It's, and I don't see that changing Yeah. unless we get a big influx of new hunters, mm-hmm. which doesn't look like it's to be, it's trending that way anyways. For sure. Yeah. And, and some of my best spots is because of logging. Yeah. Right. The, yeah. Those deer come hunting season. That's where the people will be is right in those open clear mm-hmm. cuts. And if, if those clear cuts are helping direct those big woods deer. Yeah. Then by all means, bring it on. Yeah, exactly. And there's a ton of information out there on how to hunt clear cuts, how to hunt, uh, terrain features. Cause you're yeah. a big train terrain feature guy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And during the rut. For sure. During that time when bucks are trying to get from point A to point B to see if there's does, to hunt in a way that the terrain is making them go in certain spots. So uh, that brings me to another point. You're just leading me right into this, which is perfect. I read the script. Yeah, you read the script. <laughs> yeah. Is there is some, I guess, ideology out there saying that you cannot, a big buck will not go through a funnel. Um, is that accurate here in Manitoba? Not even close. So a big buck, like we're talking a mature deer, we're yeah. talking necessarily score three and a half years and older. For sure. I know some people say four and a half, but let's keep this matter. realistic. Three let's and use half. seven and a half for <laughs> sure. a real mature deer. Yes, yeah. he will go through that funnel. If it's a terrain funnel in big woods, he might not go through that funnel if it's in a bow hunting zone on a river system where there's a lot of people and a lot of pressure. It's totally different than hunting the big woods where the deer can comfortably move through places without being pressured by humans. Mm-hmm. Right. So say for instance, you have a gravel pit in the yeah. middle of a big chunk of woods. Yeah. And then there's a bit of a hog's back or a ridge. And then on the far side of that ridge, there's a slough or a swamp. Yeah. Well, I think that that spot between that open gravel pit and that swamp, a deer's not going to walk through a wide open gravel pit. No. Right? I mean, they might. But probably not. Like yeah. I'd say 99% of the time, you're yeah. not going to catch a deer in a wide open gravel pit. And they're not going to walk through the slough. So if they're trying to get from point A to point B on either side of those, they're going to walk that ridge between the two. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a bottleneck, but it's not a bottleneck like where it's wide open field on either side and there's hunters everywhere and it necks down to the perfect 20 yard clump of trees that everybody wants to sit in. Yeah. Know? We just don't generally have that in the big woods. That's right. Terrain feature bottlenecks yeah. versus just, you know, agricultural ones. And not every bottleneck is going to be good. No, either. no. And that's the thing, you know, and I know you've experienced it. You look on a map and you think you've found the best thing in the world and you go there and it's just horrible. It's <laughs> yeah. not what it looks like when you get there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You can have 10 spots that you have pins on and you check them out and maybe one will that's right. be good. That's right. But if one's good and you can add one or two of those to your bag every year, within four or five years, you've got more than enough spots to hunt during those two weeks in November. Yeah. So would you camp out at a spot for like days if the wind allows you to? Camping out at a spot is probably a bad idea in a place where you're hunting food sources Mm -hmm. where the deer can pattern that you're there and they're going to know your entrance or your exit, they're figuring you out as much as you're figuring them out. But if you're hunting a spot like we do, where you're probably not seeing deer anyways, 
They're probably yeah. not going to figure it <laughs> yeah. out. You're, you're hunting it for a reason. And that's to catch that buck in that two week period, the one time he might walk through there. Yeah. Right? So I think that as long as you're approaching it smart and coming out of it smart in terms of where you're laying down scent, right? Or sometimes too, one thing that's to our benefit is we have an overlapping uh, up, upland game season mm -hmm. where people are just walking around. Mm -hmm. So if you can kind of keep it like random movement, you know, like just walk in and walk out like you were a, a person hunting rough grouse. Yeah. Climb up in your tree. I, I, as long as where your scent is blowing, like if your scent is blowing in that, in for instance, like that example I used with the gravel pit, if you have your scent blowing over a gravel pit or over an open slough, then I don't see how you can burn the spot out. Yeah. Especially if you're approaching it from dropping in from say the gravel pit. Yeah. So you walk through the gravel pit a little ways down to your stand and climb up in a tree and your scent's blowing back over the gravel pit. Perfect. Plus you're not seeing deer a whole lot. You know, you're just, you know, ca capitalizing yeah. on the opportunity of that buck moving through there. I think you can hunt that all day, every day. Nice. Yeah. And that's a big key in the big woods is hours. Hours, small time spent. Yeah. 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 And not, it's, yeah, it's much different than farmland in that way. That's right. Where you can be more strategic hunt here in the morning, like the backside, we're talking during the rut because bucks are on their feet. Like all the GPS collared data does state they're on their feet during daylight more so and at any other time of the year. Yeah. And most guys, I think, should be hunting those time frames because most guys don't have two weeks or even a week to go hunting. That's true. They got like... Not maybe, for whitetails. Yeah, not for whitetails. Yeah. Maybe three, four days yeah. and then weekends yeah. or they take five a work week off and then they just have weekends. So it's like... When do you want to take your vacation? I guess you could get on them in August, end of August. That's the probably the only other but then you really consistent time to permission. kill a big buck. Yeah. Then you're hunting agriculture. Because trying to kill one of these bucks in August in the big woods is pretty tough too. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know how I'd go about that. A drier, maybe a, a water source or something. I, yeah. I, That'd be the only thing I can yeah. think of is a water yeah. hole when it's dry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that brings me to the next point. These are points too, that I've like listened to a lot of podcasts, listened to a lot of experts and guys who really know their stuff, but it doesn't necessarily apply to our area in Canada, mm -hmm. right? Like we have less hunter numbers. So deer are going to behave a bit different by far. So they're going to go through those terrain feature funnels. Especially in big woods. That's right. Right. Um, farmland, yeah, it might be a bit different. Guys will have to figure that out, how a buck is going to move through the land if there's pressure on the property. Yeah. Um, and land mass. Land we mass. We have way less hunters and way more land mass. Yeah. We probably have, if you looked at it per square mile, we're probably a hundredth of the amount of yeah. hunters per square mile that oh. there is in the US. Yeah. Like I, I've hunted public land for probably the last 12 years, mm -hmm. maybe more. I think it's probably been more. Yeah, probably 15. Yeah, probably more than that. And I might have seen hunters two times and I'm there every day almost. Really? Like there's nobody there. Yeah. And if they're there, they're driving with their truck through yeah. or they're just walking there's down a trail. There's more people hiking or riding mountain bikes than there is hunting by far. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah. 
That's right. So hunting a buck bedding area. Do you recommend that out here? And this is to be clear, this is like, we're talking Manitoba and I'm assuming most of Canada as well in big woods areas. Yeah. Well, I'll ask you a question. You've hunted very similar areas to where I hunt. Do you know where the bucks are bedded? Not a clue. Me neither. (laughs) No. So, and it's going to be somewhere different all the time, right? Like maybe not all the time, but come on. Like that's one of those things where you have a high pressure area. Um, I'm assuming it's the U.S. because it's just not in Canada. Yeah, Yeah. and you've got agriculture and people are, it's all loaded up with hunters, but there's a slew back in the middle of nowhere with a high spot or some spots Mm -hmm. where the deer can bet. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. They're hunting these bedding areas where the deer, it's the only place the deer can go where there isn't hunters, right? We don't have that here. Right, mm-hmm. deer can big bucks or where you find them here. Yeah, they could be right. anywhere. Yeah, so that's just something that I've you know I've been getting to know some new bow hunters and they're talking about bedding areas and this and that and it's like if you're hunting certain areas, yeah, farmland. I guess you could figure it out. You could a lot easier for sure. And if you're lucky enough to have a buck bedding on your property, um, that's another thing. Guys might find a big buck bed in the big woods out here, but that's just going to be luck. Oh, for sure. And where's it going to be? Like, are you ever going to make it back in there to hunt? Like that might be a mile of through like just twisted hazel scrub, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's not realistic to hunt back there. Yeah. So yeah, I'd I'd recommend guys to hunt the rut like you have too. It's just because for most of us who have jobs and family and other things besides hunting that we do in our life, well, you got to schedule your time wisely. That's right. Well, I, I, I've hunted a lot and there's years I've hunted the whole year. And if I didn't shoot a deer the first few days of the season, August or the first couple of days of September, even if I did hunt the whole season, I had no more opportunities until November. So I just stop hunting September, October. It's like I hunt other species during that time. I get my feet on the ground and I walk around and I look for good spots for when the rut's going to happen during that time. Um, take the time to hunt some small game some rough grouse or some maybe do some fall fishing but if you want best use of your time i probably wouldn't hunt whitetails during september or october unless i had private land with a strong food source Mm -hmm. that's probably the only way i do it or maybe an isolated acorn crop if you have a big wood spot and there's no acorns but you know where there's a spot that there is that might be a good spot to hunt Yeah. You know, and I think that for people that can hunt in places where you bait deer, like Saskatchewan, I think there's a really good opportunity to hunt in October pre-rut for mature whitetails, you know, who's, they're focused on the feed bag. Yeah. It seems like they do actually really well in October over there. But we can't do that here. And not that I would if we could, um, but you know, you can't exclude that there's merit in in those, in those strategies. So I would recommend most guys uh, use trail cameras and try and hunt one buck that they get at night because I know that, you know, that deer is most likely going to live and a bunch of other deer are because they're just going to pass up that all the other deer waiting for that one nocturnal buck. Sure. So what do you think about trail cams? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think trail cams are a good tool. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't think you should hang trail cameras where you hunt, uh, at least not around your stand. I remember hanging a trail cam one time on a little, little river system um, and there was a really good deer trail. And I put this camera facing, you know, perpendicular to the deer trail to catch things going by broadside. The next time I came back, the deer had altered their trail to go around, around the trail camera. Really? Yeah. So I, that was my indicator right there. It's like, I am never putting a trail camera right beside where I hunt mm -hmm. right? because it's altering what the deer do, or it could, maybe that one was loud. I don't know the reason, but it was enough for me to know that I'm not doing that. Right. Um, trail cameras are good in some ways that like you mentioned, like you get pictures of a mature deer, it keeps you in the tree. You know, whereas if you don't know that deer is there and it's cold and you're not seeing anything and you're like, oh, I'm just going to climb down. Whereas if you know that deer's there, it's going to make you sit probably twice as long as you would if you didn't know it was there. Mm -hmm. I think it's good for that. Um, I'd say the best thing a trail camera's for is to let you know that whether there's even a huntable deer on a piece of property. Like how many times now that I've used some trail cameras, have I probably spent hunting woods where there was nothing that I would shoot anyways, right? So now that I'm hunting big woods, it's not as likely because these deer do grow to be mature, you know, tough to nail down, but there's a pretty good chance if you're hunting big woods that there is a mature enough deer in there for you to shoot, mm -hmm. right? So um, yeah, hunting like say woodlots where you can kind of key on a, a deer population in an area, by all means, throw up cameras, hunt the one that has the most big deer on it. It's, yeah. it's about efficient use of your time, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there's also something about the element of surprise, about not knowing what's there, right? I think that that's, a, that's pretty cool. When, when you got a guy that just hunts and hunts hard and just stays at it until he shoots a mature whitetail. I, I like that. I, I, on the other hand, I think that what really bothers me is cell cameras. And you see guys all the time on YouTube and in videos where they're like, oh, phone just went off. We got a mature buck on its feet and we know where he's headed. We're going to go jump in the stand. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. That's... Like, what's this getting to? Like, are we, why don't you just use a drone? Yeah. And follow him around. Yeah. Right. Like that, it bothers me. It mm -hmm. really does. Because those are the same guys that are all over the place posting their pictures of the big buck they killed. Are these newer hunters? I think a lot of the guys think that they're seasoned hunters, but to the people that actually are, they can yeah. look at them and be like, yeah, so you, you know, you're on top of social media. You're on top of the internet. You have, you've gained the knowledge through that. You've got a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. You're acting like you are the hunter that knows what they're doing. And now you're capitalizing on it because of technology, right? Yeah. So you define what they are. I don't, I don't know. It's yeah. probably not the guy I want to listen to. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to hunt that way. Yeah. You know, there, there's, there's more to it than that. I, I'm more than happy to not kill a deer at the end of the year. Yeah. Right? I guess, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, what this episode is about listening to your stories as well and then getting into this but also encouraging like new guys that they don't it's okay to shoot you know their new hunter a smaller buck um keeping kind of deer hunting realistic for like, sure if you have a trail cam and you have a big buck on there it's nocturnal like you don't yeah it's fun to daydream hope that he's going to walk through 
but don't yep. let that stop you from no. shooting something that you're happy with shooting. For sure. And, and understand like, that all you're seeing on social media, on YouTube, on videos, is you're seeing the highlights. Mm -hmm. You're not seeing the hundreds of hours of sitting in a tree freezing where you didn't see a thing. Right? Yeah. You, you need to go into this realistic. There's a lot like of you that. Said, exactly. And it's just like the big buck. Like a lot of these guys have, you know, acres and acres of private land that they might own or have sole permission on plus food plots and minerals and all these things to grow these giant deer. Well, if you took rookie guy and put him in those stands, he'd probably do just as well. Mm -hmm. So understand that your spot probably isn't going to be like that spot you're seeing yeah. or that you're learning from or that you're trying to emulate, right? Mm -hmm. So have a realistic expectation of where you're at. Don't set your sights too high or maybe set them high, but be flexible. Give yeah. yourself a break. You know what I mean? It's like, just, yeah, hunting is very personal, like sure. our personal goals and all that. And that's why I don't want to knock a guy who wants to go shoot like a Pope and Young first year. Okay. Depends like with my own son. I wasn't going to say, yeah, you're shooting a Pope and Young because dad's got to shoot one first. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but just really like when you're a young kid, you know, maybe get a few experiences under your belt because there's experiences with that um shot placement right learning that learning tracking you can't gain experience through the internet on that no maybe when to draw your bow yeah when to draw your if bow. you wait for a giant deer to be your first deer and you haven't learned when to draw your bow he's probably going to bust you <laughs> yes that... right like there's important steps along the way that come to you know dropping the string that you need to learn that mm -hmm. you don't want to learn those lessons when you've waited all those years for that mature deer, right? Like, yeah. but like you said, if you want to do that, by all means, yeah, have at her. But you know, there's a lot to be learned in the shooting of the other deer along the way. Yeah, and and there's Big a lot time. that you should be proud of along that during yeah. that time as well. Yeah, it could be as simple as like just making a perfect double long shot. That's what we all want. But you know, just really, hey, this one I'm going to drill perfect. I'm going to keep my nerves under control. Good luck with that. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. No kidding. Okay. Yeah. I'm just sometimes starting to get a hold of that now. Yeah. And it's only been 35, 40 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I don't want Hunt Lore to become a rant session, but I just thought, you know, a good reminder going into the whitetail season, hearing some fun stories from you when you first got into it, and then just kind of like dissect a little bit of the info that's coming from the States because that they always influence Canada. And they do. Well, that's no different. The mass of where everything comes from. Yeah. And just, yeah, just understand it's different. And it doesn't have to be like you see it. Yeah. And we want people to do this. Like if we're whatever. I mean, I want to attract hunters. I don't want to attract millions of hunters. No. I don't want them all in <laughs> my spots. Yeah. But let's be honest. Like it, it, there's enough room for a lot more people. And I don't want people to be frustrated in the process trying to have an unrealistic goal because of what the internet's told them. And yeah, exactly. Right? So you want ethical hunters. You want guys that you see in the backwoods where you can like just kind of tip your hat at the guy and smile and carry on, you know, good luck, yeah. see anything. Yeah. Don't be honest if you saw something big, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just keep that to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, like you all, you all have a common goal, right? As yeah. Well, and it's like, that's kind of the mentality that I want to get out there is that, Hey, you know, you see another guy. Yeah. You don't want guys in your spots. It's going to happen possibly. Right. Especially if you hunt public or crown land out here, but you know, we're just kind of on the same team doing the same thing, mm -hmm. having mm -hmm. fun with it.
for sure. For sure. Yeah. So you got any, uh, to finish this off, do you have any goals for this season? Um, spend time in a tree. <laughs> Maybe see a deer. Or Maybe two. see a deer or two. No, I'm actually hunting, uh, probably three quarters of my spots are brand new. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually scouted last year in December after the season closed. And I walked around finding more terrain spots. Like, And of course, you're not going to see a lot of sign then because it was a month earlier that the bucks were cruising those spots. But And I, there was limited deer sign in the spots as well. But the tracks that did go through there in the snow were big. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, there's a reason that this terrain is causing the deer to be here. And there's a reason that it's the big deer that are using it. So I'm thinking I'm going to have a year where I probably see less deer than I've ever seen. But I'm thinking that I also might see some new deer and you in might... the areas that I hunt that I've hunted for years because I think I was missing out on some of the mature bucks. So and so switching it up to a new area, did you just need a change, like a fresh uh, change of scenery, or was it like you were just trying to get into some bigger, mature deer? I think likely I needed a change. As much as we find these spots that are terrain features that are good for years and years, it's always fun to find new spots. There's something about that excitement of a, of a new hunting spot, right? So that's massive. The anticipation of something new, right? Yeah. So, so you have no cameras at these spots. None, no cameras at these spots. So no trail for, cam no, challenge. No cha- trail cam challenge for this year. Yeah. Uh, I can say I will put out one or two trail cameras in a spot that I'm not going to hunt. Mm-hmm. And... If I do decide to put out a trail camera anywhere that I do, I'm not going to check it till the season's done. You know what? I would agree with that. Uh, last year, I put a camera where I was going to hunt. I tried to put it like six, seven feet up off the ground and pointing like at the trail. But what I, and I didn't touch it. I got it in springtime. What I did notice was the bucks cruising that trail. So I know, okay, this is. One was decent, you know, uh, what I call decent, maybe 130s in mm-hmm. there. I don't know. Uh, he looked like if he's walking by a big wood setting, yeah, I'm probably going to shoot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there are a couple smaller bucks and it's like, but they're cruising at that time frame, like November 5th to the 15th, right in there. It's like, okay, so maybe my camera didn't pick up every single buck, That's every right. single deer yeah. that came down here, but. So using it like historically, for the sure, cameras, it's that's intel. What I'm getting at. Yeah, it's it's intel and it's it's fair intel. Right? Yeah, it's not like the self the cell cameras. And and again, if you want to do that, fine, it's legal. Yeah. I just don't think that There's a, having str- numbers of them on your property, we where you can see every time a deer turns. Yeah, I got. I I don't know. There's a way to do it where it's like ethical, where you're saying like fair chase kind of that's right where if you know i would like to use it in a property where i actually don't want to set foot in because every time you set foot in a place you're leaving like your scent yes and the deer pick up on that uh-huh would i use it to go get on a buck i don't think i have any spots where i would have enough continuous permission like in a farmland in a big woods he could be going a certain direction and Good luck. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> basically that picture would have just told me I should have been there right now. That's right. In the settings that I'm hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think trail cams like cell cams could be used ethically in that way. You're saving on some gas money there as well. For if sure. it's done proper. Yeah. Just put cameras out, scout a spot or a bunch of spots 
throw some cameras up, you know, in October in these spots that you probably aren't going to hunt to see if bucks are cruising these terrain features during that time. Mm -hmm. And then December when you're done, go retrieve yeah. your cameras. Now you're figuring out where bucks actually do travel during those two weeks that you're hunting or not. Yeah. I think that that's fair. And I think that it's a great tool for that. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast there uh, with a guy. He has like 75 or a hundred trail cams and he just has them out and it's been very effective with him. He's able to narrow a buck's bedding area out there. Sounds like it's biggish woods mm -hmm. there, public land and nail it down to his area. And he goes in and he's quite successful, but I'm thinking, man, like the poor sap who buys into that strategy mm -hmm. but try convincing okay, so your wife to buy like seven thousand no, dollars worth no. of cameras but let's put a spin on that let's say okay how many hours did you spend putting out and checking and retrieving and fine-tuning all your 75 trail cameras you spend that same amount of time now with feet on the ground just finding spots to set up you'd probably be just as successful yes Right. So, yeah. and now you've actually learned things other than just listening to the technology in terms of what the pictures are showing you. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't know. Where, where do you want to be as a hunter in the end? Reliant yeah. on technology or reliant on the skills you've learned being in the woods? I love hunting train features that, like, if I can find a setup where I can predict a deer walking through, set up a tree stand, get in there and hunt it, and have the deer do exactly what I thought they were going to do. That is so satisfying for from sure. a hunting perspective. It's for like, sure. or they don't do exactly what you thought they were going to do, but they did close. Oh, so you yeah. do another movement. Yep. Right now you realize that they're crossing 75 yards further out than you thought they were well, going to cross. That happened last year. Exactly. It's like, just, I didn't have high hopes for that spot at all. Just some historical rubs. I'm like, okay. Like people say, don't hunt sign, yada, yada, yada. But it's like, I don't got any other place that I really feel good about. Mm -hmm. I'll set up a stand. I cut shooting lanes all the night before too. Like it, everything that you shouldn't be doing, I was kind of doing big wood setting though. You, you can, can kinda, get away with that. You can get away with that a bit yeah. more. Yeah. So had that all up, sawdust everywhere. <laughs> yeah, know? for get sure. Get up, I saw six or saw six bucks and a doe wow. that day. And it's That's like, a great big woods day. Wow, exactly. Yeah. So I go back home. I'm thinking, I'm texting you, talking to Noah. He's starting to kind of understand this too. And I'm thinking, man, okay, I got to be like a Dan Infault or somebody who's mobile. Yeah. Mobile hunting. I'm like, well, the deer are going to be on to me. It's like they probably didn't even walk by my tree and smell where I'd walked yep. <laughs> because it's such a big area. The next day, I got some advice from you. I had to get right in that buck funnel, get closer to where I saw the bucks all going to. So I got into there and at noon, I'm a big believer at hunting the rut from 10 to 2. Me shot too. my buck at nine so i'll yep. get in there for 8 30 now but yep. you know really once it gets four o'clock in the evening i'm like i'm not gonna see much most likely nothing anyways got up in there at noon there's this big buck with double drop tine main beams skirting the edge oh, i'd love to see that 35 too. yards yeah and he's he basically he walked where i'd walked he wasn't alarmed but it was once the scent was going like my wind he caught the wind, but I was using that uh, nose jammer. Yeah. And it did work to stop him. It does work. Oh, yeah. I would have had a shot if yeah. I had clear lanes there. 
all day long. You feel like a fool spraying that potpourri oh, smell all over the place, but it works. Like, <laughs> feel like, yeah, a total blower. <laughs> totally, yeah. <laughs> it's like, um oh, spraying this stuff, but it does work. And then the next day I, I went in there, I thought, okay, who knows? Maybe I ruined the spot, it's over. And then the other guy came, read the script, came right down. Yeah, you should Perfect. Have a big, big buck. Yeah. So just moving, just. Yeah, incremental movements and fine-tuning spots and. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're probably going to capitalize in that same spot this year. Oh, you know what? I I don't feel like anything's going to happen. There's a big die-off, I was telling you earlier. It's like they should almost make the whole, like, I don't know, the whole province, but some of these more remote areas, bucks only. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. you're in a good enough spot there, though, that even if there was a die-off, the bucks that are there are going to move there. Yeah. So Just it's wait so gorgeous being in there. Proper wind. It's like, what a spot. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah. It's a, hard, it's a bit of a walk to get in there, yeah. you know, but you are rewarded with the woods to yourself. Yeah. And that's like most big wood spots in Manitoba. Yeah. So now yeah. it's just, for me, I'm looking map scouting Google Earth, like all these big woods areas. I want to go there. I want to go. It's just like, there's no, because to even scout one little train feature, you, you a, might get like three in a day. You, if you're lucky, if you're, and I'm wore out. After That's right. I'm like, yeah, man, you got to retire to get my good knees at this. Are hurting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, just, it's like, man, I'm just wore out. Mm-hmm. And then Jason was encouraging me to hunt yesterday evening after I was like, I can't hunt. I can't even climb a tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been mm-hmm. walking through all this, you know, lifting your legs up over all the deadfall. Yeah. No, no work, work, work until those days that you want to hunt and then hunt. Yeah. And if there's a snow day in there, especially if it's maybe windy that next morning, try yeah. to find where those deer are moving. Yeah, I think you're right on that because it's nice to have one spot, but it's also fun to find new spots. It is. And I just don't want to hang my hat on one spot. That's right. Because who knows what happens to it. Yep, exactly. It looks like it's going to be good. What I did do this uh, at the beginning of October, I went in there and I m- removed some deadfall. Cause there was some new deadfall in there mm-hmm. and I really made sure to pinch those deer past my stand. Great. Yeah. That's a great idea. Didn't cut any trees down, yeah. but just use what was there mm-hmm. and just, and it's like, and why wouldn't you? Yeah. So yeah. it's like, man, at every spot now, if I find a train feature, if it's doable, yeah. I'm just going to direct the deer, direct the deer. Yeah. Some spots. So yeah, it's going to be for bow hunting. Hard. That's bow great. Hunting. Yeah. 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 Rifle hunting. Yeah. Guys could kill it. All that big double drop tine, mm-hmm. main beamer drop tine would have been uh, on the ground. But maybe this year. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it. Unless there's anything else you want to add. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks, Dave. Whitetail hunting. We'll talk to you at the end of the season. Okay. Hopefully, we'll talk about the pictures. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah. See ya. <laughs>